You know, our, the Bible is so inexhaustible with so much content and so much that is applicable for daily living and that we can just dig together and feast on the Word of God. Well, we're going to have breakfast today. So let's go into the Word of God and to the bread of life and let's butter that up and let's get ready, all right? Take your Bible to the book of Acts chapter number 5 and we are going to verse number 17. Acts 5, number 17, but the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now, when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council and all the senators of the people of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. Now, let me just give you the backstory because uh, maybe you weren't here for the past few weeks and we've had some breaks in between with Christmas messages. Acts chapter number five, we started it off with Ananias and Sapphira and several of the, uh, of the disciples had sold many of their possessions and lands and they gave the proceeds, what they netted from that, they gave it to the work of the ministry and how wonderful it was. And then we realized that Ananias and Sapphira actually lied about how much they sold and they kept back, the Bible says they, they kept back a portion of the proceeds and basically just lied to the apostles and lied to the Holy Ghost, and so Peter comes and he tells them, you not just lied to me, but you lied to the Holy Ghost of God, and you kept back a portion, and we know that Ananias died, and Sapphira, likewise, same thing, she did the exact same deed, deed and she died, and then later on, uh, the, the, the other disciples, they started giving, and we had for our church, we had a, a generosity. We talked about biblical generosity and how people were selling things and giving to the work of the ministry and to, to meet the needs of the people. And all the people's needs were met. And we were able to meet so many needs from within our own church family. Hallelujah for that. And we were able to meet the needs of the community through different ways and praise God for that. That was Acts chapter 5. And then we recognized that all of a sudden great fear came upon the Christians of that day. And so great fear fell among them, Acts chapter 5. Then once great fear fell upon them, the power returned to the church because they were recognizing that God was at work once again. There's a, just a small group of people who had caused a little rift in what the Holy Spirit of God was already doing. And now all of a sudden, great fear, and they recognized this was a holy, righteous fear. And so then here we are in Acts 5.17, because now, all of a sudden, the news of what God was doing and how people were being healed and how miracles were being performed, that's from Acts 5, verse 15, I'm sorry, verse 10 through verse 16, a lot of these miracles were happening. And people were getting saved and numbers were being added to the church. The Bible says daily and people were getting healed and all those wonderful things. And then the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Can I tell you something? That it happens in life. You know, something, good things will happen to us. And then sure enough, 
You know that guy who has that wet blanket and they love to be sure to, to be the role in your life where they throw that wet blanket on things that are happening. And so the Sadducees and the Pharisees were, if you will, sort of like that group. A lot of great things were happening and the people were, miracles were being performed. And then the Bible says in verses 17 on down, we're reading about the Sadducees. The Sadducees came and said to the disciples, you guys are rising up, uh, verse 17, but the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that's the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy. You ever hear people that just get jealous? There's an old song in the early 2000s, haters gonna hate, hate, hate. That's because haters drink haterade. They drink it all the time. When, when things are working out for your life, you can say, man, you know what? It's going to be a new year. And they're going to pour on a little haterade with your comment. Yeah, I, hopefully it's not as bad as it was in 2018. <laughs> Thank you for pouring haterade on me right now. <laughs> but they're, they're, they're always, that's, Almost an appropriate name for the Sadducees. They're always sad, you see. (laughs) It's almost like, boy, you got to pour on that wet blanket all the time. And they're filled with jealousy. And they arrested the apostles. Wait, you're going to arrest the apostles because people were getting saved and miracles were happening. And God was doing a work and you're going to arrest them. Verse 18, they arrested the apostles and put them in the uh, public prison. Verse number 19, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors. I love it. We're going to dig deep. Let's go into uh, several things. Number one, we notice from verse 12 through 16 that power returns to the church. Secondly, from verse 17 through 19, we're going to notice not just power returns to the church, but we're going to notice persecution arises against the church, the persecuted church. We lived in Asia for several years as we were having our Asia ministry, and we recognized that in several countries that I would go to, um, I went to Vietnam, and one of our pastors of our network in Vietnam was there, and I was excited, and he told me, listen, you are a Christian, and you're from America. Uh, If you bring your Bible, you can have your Bible, but you have to be careful because that just means that they're going to keep their eyes on you if they know that you have your Bible because they're thinking you might likely be one of those guys that are here on covert mission and trying to proselytize and all that. So I would recommend maybe not bringing a Bible, but I cherished my Bible, and I loved uh, reading the hard Bible, and I, I read from my e-version all the time, but there's something special about my hard Bible, and so I have several Bibles. One I have, this is my preaching Bible. I have tabs over here, and you'll see over on this side, maybe you can or cannot, but writings and all that. I, I like to write and I like to scribble, so I refer to this to as my preaching Bible. So then I just write my notes on there, so then that way I don't always have to, if this drops or I lose all the pages, I can always refer to my notes and summary on the side. Smart thinking right there. Doesn't run out of battery either, all right? But then I have my study Bible. My study Bible, I just mark it up. It's good. You know, mark up your Bible and let your Bible mark you up. You know, that's good. And so I mark up my Bible, but I didn't want to bring that. And I didn't want to bring my preaching Bible, so I just brought a Bible. And sure enough, I arrived in Ho Chi Minh, and they went through my luggage, and they took my Bible. 
And so I knew it was the start of, oh man, it's going to be on like Donkey Kong. Here we go. And so we went and the pastor told me, listen, we're, this is the way we're going to have our church service and what you want to do and I'll bring you into the scooter. And, and I rode on the back of his scooter and it was an adventuresome day and we, we, we got off and the church, if that was the other side of, of one side of the alley and this is the other side of the alley, I was on that side over there. The church was right here in the middle and there was a person that would step out casually and he would come out every time he came out every five to ten minutes and he would give a nod and, and he would sweep or he would do something uh, and different people would rotate just so that that meant the cue for the next person who was waiting on either sides to come in. And so he did his cue, he did his nod, and we brought the scooter in, and we came in, and sure enough, we brought the scooter inside to the house. Uh, now it's a moped, and all of a sudden I noticed that we weren't the first to be inside the house. There were already, imagine your living room full of 50 motorcycles. That was exactly how it was. About 50 motorcycles just squeezed in there, uh, right in the living room. That was their parking lot. They didn't want to put it outside because that would draw attention. And so I walked on in, and nobody was on the first floor. The living room had turned into a parking structure. And so they had parked all the scooters, and people were still coming in. I went up to the second floor, and there were men and women on their faces, praying and crying and saying, God, during the time that we meet today, would you protect us and would you keep us safe? They were praying. I didn't want to disturb them, so I walked up to the third floor, and then all the children were up in the third floor, about 12 or 13 of them, and a sweet old lady was just there sitting in a small little chair and the children in theirs, and they were singing Scripture songs, tenderly and quietly, not the loud, uh, uh, loud ones, just, just to make sure that not, it didn't cause distraction. And it was the sweetest thing. And oh, my heart was start, already starting to be overwhelmed with emotion of what I was experiencing. I walked up one more floor and the teenagers and the young people were gathered in one room on one side. And then in a big living room on the other side was where we were going to have church. Oh, it was so precious. We sang, they brought a keyboard, the pastor's wife brought a keyboard out, and they put the volume on just enough to where you can hear the keys, but not loud enough to penetrate the walls and just for the people to sing there. We sang, I preached through an interpreter, and then at the very end, we had a baptism service on top of the roof. So we all went up to the roof, and not everybody's allowed to join us because that would draw too much attention. So it was just me, the pastor, his wife, the person who was going to be baptized, and two witnesses. We went up there, and there was a little, it, it, it's a big barrel, a big blue plastic barrel. And they went inside, stood about this much, and then when it was time to baptize, they just ducked down, and they baptized. How precious, how precious. Collectively in that one house, there was at least 100 people. And they're baptizing in Saigon, Vietnam, now known as Ho Chi Minh City. And I got to experience that. You see, in modern day Christianity, we don't know persecution. 
We don't recognize persecution in the same context. Persecution for us is, oh man, my battery ran out. That's persecution. I feel so persecuted. Oh man, signal. I got no signal. I have no signal. I feel so persecuted. It's not 4G. It's not LTE. Persecution. Or maybe you're at home and you're like on a computer and my internet's slow. I feel so persecuted. We make light of it. We make so light of it now that we refer to them as hashtag first world problems. Because we really, even though we know that it's an insignificant, insignificant thing in contrast to maybe what the world experiences on a daily basis, we try to make light of it to make us feel better. But persecution around the world is real. Persecution of Christians around the world is real. More than ever in our day and age, we are living in a world where there are Christians being persecuted. Persecution of Christians around the world, why is this happening? Is this a new thing? Is this a new occurrence? What does the Bible say about persecution of Christians? What are the responsibility of the believers like us who may not be facing the same type of persecution at this time. The Bible says in John 15, verse 18 through 20, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the world that I said to you, a servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. It's not a popular topic today, is it? It's not one of those, you know, if you do this, God will bless you for it. If you do this, maybe this year is your turnover year, is your breakthrough year, the blessing year. It's not one of those messages, is it? But we've got to preach the whole counsel of God. That's why I love what we're doing, just going through the word of God and meditating on it and digging deep into it, verse by verse, and understanding context of everything that the Bible is teaching us as believers. Western Christianity tends to minimize the definition of persecution. We generally refer to it as, as hardships. That's what we refer to as persecution. Let's notice this, that in verse 17 through 18, the apostles were imprisoned by the Jewish rulers. The arrest and the imprisonment of the apostles. You'll notice that the high priest rose up. The meeting of Peter and John with the religious leaders was good just about a, a one chapter ago. One chapter ago, it was a good meeting with these guys in Acts chapter 4, verse 5 through 22. He had a decent meeting, and it ended fairly well. Yet, 
that was not the end of the matter. The religious establishment came back and continued to push against the disciples. And then you'll notice that they were filled with jealousy. Another version used the word, they were filled with indignation. The apostles, like Jesus, whom they represented, they persecuted him because their good works and the popularity was a threat to those who had an interest in the status quo of the religious establishment. I pray and hope that you, in your life and in the life of this church, that we're not just content with being the, another church, with just another religious institution. No, we want to be a dynamic church that is on fire for God and wanting to see God work in our midst and do great things in our midst because we want to see revival. That's what the book of Acts was all about. They had experienced Jesus. Now they're given the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, what do I do with that? The Holy Spirit brings about a, a movement of God that says, I'm going to do something in your midst. But now the religious establishment did not like that. Because religion was no longer being done the way they had institutionalized it. Sadly, the religious establishment of that day left the people worse off, not better. Let me say this. Religion seeks to define our faith according to rules. But a personal relationship with Jesus often defines religion by grace. This is not just a religion. This is the work of grace. This is a work of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers. We don't say, hey, come to, come, to, uh, come to the church, come to religion. No, we say come to Jesus. Jesus, who is the redeemer of our faith, who is the savior of the world, who is the light of the world, who is the alpha, who is the omega, who is the beginning, who is the end. He is all things because he says, I am that I am. That's who we are coming to. And so here they are, this religious establishment group. And Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. You can't say that, oh, well, it's because I went to the confessional, or it's because I lit this, this many candles, or it's because I've been to church, or it's because I wore, uh, I wore an, a certain outfit. I'm a Christian. That doesn't make you a Christian. Only by grace are you saved through faith. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior today, you can start 2019 and begin a relationship with Jesus today by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, who has forgiven you of all your sins. And the Bible says it is the gift of God. You celebrated Christmas here recently, didn't you? You didn't have to do a single thing for that Christmas present. Somebody loved you enough to give you a gift, and you took it. And you opened it up, and now it is yours. The Bible says in the same context in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, but the gift of God is Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ is our gift. That was what Christmas was all about, the celebration of a baby wrapped in a manger for you and I so that he can be born, live a sinless, perfect life, but be on the cross to take away our sins. That's the message of the gospel. And that was what people were fearing because the Pharisees and the Sadducees did not want to hear that because it's not about the Messiah. We have already set up these rules and regulations about the synagogue, about the temple, about church, and all these things. And now you're telling us it's not through any of that and keeping the, the law, keeping the, uh, the, the Mosaic laws and all the Jewish traditions. And now you're saying that it's Jesus who is now the new covenant? Oh, we didn't like that at all. And today, there are still people who buck and don't understand the context of Scripture. But today, you've got to read Scripture. You've got to know that it is only by grace are you saved. Persecution came about because they declared the truth. Truth always has resistance to it, has people who resist to it. Well, notice they took them in. Grab a hold of them, put them in the common prison or the public prison. I love this right here because as they put them in prison, verse number 19 through 20, and, and angelic intervention frees the apostles. An angel of the Lord opens the prison doors. This was so easy for God to arrange because God, I love the thought of this. Did you know that angels are always ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who inherit salvation? I'll show you. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to minister to those who have been sent, who, who will inherit salvation? The Bible says that God, he will not suffer in the book of Psalm. He will not suffer your feet to be moved or your, your feet to stumble without heaven knowing about it. Because God has, is sending angels to watch over us and care for our needs and care for us. Sometimes we entertain those angels unaware. Wish I can take a moment and share many experiences that God has allowed us. We didn't know it then, but looking back, we believe in, in our hearts that God at that time ministered to us through angels. We just, we, we just weren't aware but God had sent them to us. Let me ask you a question because what has you locked up and bound in 2018? What was it that somebody put, this is just a life application, if you will. What was it in 2018 that somebody maybe got jealous of you, maybe didn't like you, maybe whatever the reason, maybe it's a, a moment of discouragement or a trial or an issue, and they had you locked up in that prison? in that common prison. What they may have locked up, God is going to open the door for you. God set you free. Locked doors and chains are nothing for God. God can set you free. As a matter of fact, John 8, 36, whom the Son therefore makes free, you are free indeed. You're holding on to being in a locked door. I, my, my family and I visit Thailand a lot, and we love baby elephants. They're just the cutest things. Oh, baby elephants and baby pandas are, you might as well give me a sweet little girl named Eden. I could just, oh, I can just hug them all day long. They're just sweet. 
this baby little elephant, just my, about my size, trunk about the arm, my arm's length, and he's just happy. He's got a little chain next to him, and they keep that little chain so that he can not go anywhere. But as the elephant continues to grow, his mind thinks he's still locked up in that little chain. It's a little chain. He's a big elephant. If he wanted to, he can just move it and tug it away, and he can loosen it, especially as he grows older. But in their brain, even as they get older, if they're locked into that little chain, they just know they're connected to that ground or to that wall or to whatever it is. Sometimes I believe that there are Christians. I'll say this in 2019. Something still got you bound from 2018 in a negative way. And you're still holding on to it. And you're, you're, you, you have the strength. God has given you all power. The Bible says that we've been studying the book of Acts. All power is given unto you. It's not impossible. It's impossible. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But you got it locked up in your mind and you still think that you're, you're, you're still stuck. The angel of the Lord freed these apostles and they went forth. The angel of the Lord, possibly the only, only way that they understood this was in retrospect. And as they went out, they were given a command. And that command was found, look with me if you will, in verse number, um, Acts 5, verse number 19. See here. Verse number 20. So verse 19 says, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. And here's what the angel said. Go and stand in the temple. Speak to the people all the words of this life. So they were given a command to go and proclaim. Now, you have to remember, in Matthew 28, when Jesus was being ascended back to heaven, he says, go ye therefore. Right? You remember that? That's referred to as a great commission. We're going to introduce something next week in our church. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. We've been praying about it. We've been praying about it for this church family because uh, in 2018, when we had to readjust our finances and the budget of our church, we had different missionaries that we supported, and we love it. This church wants to be a church that is for the nations and for the gospel around the world, and we had such a burden, but financially, we weren't able to do it in the same fashion that we were uh, able to do it in, since for almost 75 years of the ministry now. So we were praying through, and God gave us a program that is not unique to this church or won't be unique only to this church. The Church of God Ministries is introducing it in 2018 and 19 through all the churches around the world. And But it's not even a new program in the Church of God Ministries. As a matter of fact, churches all around the world, different churches, non-denominational churches, independent churches, use a program called Faith promise missions. It's whereby we commit in faith as a church to, uh, to give out the gospel uh, through our finances and through our prayer in our own way, the best that we're able to. And we're going to introduce that next week. And I'm really excited to it. But it goes back to what the angel was saying. Go, go out. Verse number 19, go or verse 20, go and stand in the temple. It was the same context with what Jesus told them right before he ascended to heaven. Go, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Write it down in your Bible. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son. And then you turn over to Acts chapter 1. It goes right in. He says, all 
power is given unto you. Now go. And now again in Acts chapter 5, I'm going to free you. And now as I free you, I want you to go. Listen, when you are freed in Christ, you want to go. You don't want to just, when God opens that door, you don't want to just, well, I, I'm, I'm getting comfortable here. You know, I probably deserve it. This is what has been given to me, this lot in my life. No, God wants to free you up to do the work of the kingdom. Kingdom works. So he says, go stand in the temple and speak to all people, to the people, all the words of this life. Their rescue from prison was wonderful, but it was for a divine purpose so that they can continue the work of God. God didn't set them free primarily for safety or for comfort. They were set free for a reason. And after this, they were not always, uh, you'll notice they weren't just delivered for freedom. God rescues us, God restores us, and God puts in us a divine purpose. God rescues us, God restores us, and God puts us for a divine purpose. This church, we are rescued, we are restored, we are redeemed for the purpose of a divine call to share the love of God in this community and around the world. You'll notice the later history of the apostles, and I'll go quickly here, and others associated with them. There were Tremendous persecution. It wasn't all a bed of roses. Matthew was beheaded with a sword. Mark died in Alexandria, Egypt after being dragged through the streets of the city. Luke was hanged on an olive tree in Greece. John died a natural death, but they unsuccessfully tried to boil him in oil. Peter was crucified upside down in Rome. James was beheaded in Jerusalem. James, the less, the other James, was thrown from a height, then beaten with clubs. Philip was hanged. Bartholomew was whipped and beaten until death. Andrew was crucified and preached at the top of his voice, even to the persecutors, to the very end. Thomas was run through with a spear. Jude was killed with the arrows of an executioner. Matthias was stoned and then beheaded, as was Barnabas. Paul later was beheaded in Rome. This reminds us that we should trust God for miraculous things, but I don't wish this on any of us. I don't wish that we would have to suffer persecution to this degree. But if we read John, we will recognize they persecuted him. And likewise, sometime in our generation, it's possible. It's possible as it's already happening. In the Middle East, we have friends. When I go visit China in a couple of months, I'll walk into house churches. But did you know that the fastest growing religion right now in China is Christianity? Their persecution, oddly enough, brings about revival. If you want to experience it, when I book my ticket, join me. And you'll be amongst believers. Uh, one of the songs that they sing that gives me goose pimples all the time is they sing, No Other God. They'll do it in Chinese Mandarin and then they'll do it in English. 
And then they begin singing it, and they do, unlike the church that I went to in Vietnam, the church in China, they sing it on the top of their lungs. They don't care. The church in China has been visited by the communist police several times already. They've had to move. They've had to adjust. But there's something about it where my faith becomes so much more real in times and in moments of persecution. I'll say that again because that's the meat of the context of Acts chapter 5. Their experience with Jesus was so real that no matter the persecution, no matter hell or high water, I will not betray my Jesus. Susan and I were just in Nepal. We baptized in the Himalayan waters. As soon as we got done baptizing the last person, they broke out in song in the Nepalese version, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though the world before me, the cross behind me, no turning back, no turning back. What's, what's your song? What's your anthem? Is Jesus that real to you or he's only real when it's convenient? Or he's only real if you're comfortable? Or he's only real if you like the song in the worship set? Or he's only real if it's a different pastor preaching? Or he's only real if you fill in your own blank, please? Oh, no. I know he's real. He's real, he's real, he's in my heart today. Oh, I've experienced Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. But there will be a moment, and it may approach sooner than we hope that real persecution may be upon you. What? is that going to be like? Do you have a real relationship with Jesus or do you have a religious experience on Sundays? If your answer is to the second question, religious experience on Sundays, then maybe, my friend, you're not saved. You're not born again. And you've never had a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But the good news is in the gospel that he has come to give you life and to give you life eternal. And not just to give you life eternal, but he has come to give you life abundantly. And today, if you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, receive him as the forgiveness of all your sins, you can be a redeemed child of God today. And there will be a new name written down in heaven. 2019, and it could be yours. Yes, yours. A persecuted church. We'll continue in that study next week. Let's all stand together, shall we? As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I want to ask a question because I want to start off 2019 this way. If today you are not a Christian, but today you have felt the Holy Spirit of God working in your life, and you know that He is pulling you to Him, drawing you unto the Father. Today, you can become a child of God. And all you have to do, the Bible says, by faith, by grace, through faith, are you saved. All you have to do is believe 
the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Bible says that they who call upon the name of the Lord in Romans 9, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Today, you can receive that gift of eternal life. Today could be your day. Christmas doesn't have to be over. You can keep celebrating it in your hearts. I've already asked us to just maybe out of respect, just close our eyes and bow our heads. I'm going to ask this question because I want, I want to make sure that everyone is comfortable to, to, to answer this question. If you're not saved, but you want to be saved, you want to receive Jesus Christ today, all you have to do is just believe and receive. A simple prayer. The prayer actually doesn't save you, but it's what you believe in your heart. But the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you're going to declare this. Maybe this is the prayer that you need to pray because you're not a Christian. I want to help you in a prayer. This is the prayer. It goes something like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm not a Christian. I believe that you died for me on the cross and that you have forgiven me of all my sins. God, I ask you to come into my heart. Save me. Take me to heaven when I die. The best that I know how, I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior. Be the Lord of my life. Help me to live the Christian life. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I want to celebrate with you, along with the angels in heaven, along with so many in this church. Since our eyes are still bowed, our eyes are still closed and our heads are still bowed. Is there anybody in this room, this was the first time you prayed that prayer and you received Jesus Christ as your Savior today? Would you just slip up your hand so I can rejoice with you? Is there anybody like that? Just slip it up quickly and put it down. All around the auditorium, is there anybody like that? Just put it up and put it down. Maybe you need to do business with God. Maybe you don't understand what persecution really is. Maybe you've just been taking your Christianity for granted while believers around the world in the Middle East, in India, Pakistan, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, and all the old, those countries to our east may not have the same freedom of religion as we do. Maybe you've just taken your religion for granted. I'll get to church when I get to church when there are Christians just waiting to celebrate and worship the king. But they can't because of religious persecution. Maybe you just need to commit in your heart, God, I, I don't want to take you for granted. And Lord, I want to live a life that honors you. And I want to pray for my fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord and other regions of the world that are being persecuted for their faith. We're going to sing a song together, and if God ministers to your heart and you need to do business with God,
If you want to pray with someone, we have prayer partners. To my right, to your left, we have several ladies and men that are there who will pray with you. And then to your right and my left, we have prayer altars that gives you the opportunity to pray by yourself. However God worked in your hearts. This is a response song, church. So let's respond to the Lord and what he's doing in the moment. My foes are many. They rise against me. But I will hold my I will not fear the war. I will not fear the storm. My help is on the way.
declare it together. My help comes from the Lord. Aren't you glad that God is always a present help in times of trouble? Hallelujah. Well, church, if you did, if there's anybody in here that may have made a decision in the Lord for the very first time, we have a decision card that's right there in your seat back pockets. Fill that out. Take it over to the connection point. We have one of our friends just two weeks ago right in our very auditorium. He's sitting in our midst. He filled out that decision card because in this auditorium about two weeks ago, he put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saved today. And I'm glad to see him and his wife, Julio. It's good to see you, my friend. I can't wait. We're talking about baptism and discipleship. We have something in our church that we want to be intentional about. It's walking people through what it means to be a Christian. Next step, what is that? Just being baptized. What after that? Discipleship. How can I get plugged into the church? How can I grow? And our pastors and our elders and our leaders and our staff, we're more committed than ever to seeing the church of God move together by faith. Hallelujah. Get involved. Get involved. And you can get involved through giving, through offerings. Be sure to do that. Get involved at the ministry table. If you're a woman, get involved in the Flourish event. If you're uh, a senior saint, 50 and above, Tuesday, there's a prime timers luncheon just for you right here in this very auditorium. If you're a family, uh, you have young children, we have a winter family event just for you. So many things to get in in involved in the life of the church. Church family, be blessed in the Lord. Have a great week. Happy New Year.